Hello everyone and welcome to the 8th episode of Influence series. My name is Parsa Pekar. I'm a psychotherapist, author and professor and also the host of Professor P's podcast. So in today's podcast we'll be answering the question of what is a worldwide influence and as a person how can we be influential around the world? So what I'll be doing is at first I'm going to do a book review by John C Maxwell's called The How to Become a Person of Influence. Then I'll have my guest on the show which he'll be discussing more on how we can achieve that. And at the end I have one of my former students who will talk about her experience and opinion on the subject. I just want to start by saying that the most important thing in the entire world is influence. Everyone and everything in the world is kind of competing for a position of influence. This is very important to understand because when we see influence for what it is, we are able to positively act and basically influence the world. So the book I'm choosing for today is how to become a person of influence by John C Maxwell just to give a little bit background about him he's a well-known leadership expert and author who has written extensively about personal development leadership and becoming a person of influence so one of the thing he mentions which is so true when we look at leadership he says leadership is influence in his book what he basically talks about there are 10 major concepts which i'm going to go over and then at the end i'm going to provide some of the practical ways we can apply the book's concept into our own lives and see how we can have a positive influence or become a person of influence so one of the key points he talks about is integrity and he emphasizes the importance of integrity in building influence, which basically means you act consistently with your values and demonstrate ethical behavior, which is essential for gaining the trust and respect of others, right? So the thing we need to realize, if we want to influence something or the world or someone, it's important first to build the trust. Because unless people trust us, we can never influence them, right? This is something to remember that people tend to follow or be influenced by someone they trust. If they lose that trust for that person, no longer their action or words can influence them. So integrity can be very important because it provides that trust for the leader to be able to influence the followers. Second is understanding people. So he suggests that understanding people's needs, desire and motive is key to influencing them, right? which means we develop empathy and active listening to others, which allows us to connect on a deeper level. I always talk about this, and this is so important, that if we want to provide for someone's need, it's important to see what they need, not what we think they need, right? And needs can be different. Desires can be different. Uh, the motivations can be different, right? So we need to remember that, okay, we see what is important for them, and being able to provide that need for that person. 
The third point is serving others, which to me, that's the key, right? The authors emphasize that true influence is built on a foundation of service. So when we genuinely seek to help and support others, we naturally become someone whom others look up to and trust, right? Uh, I think there is this wonderful ancient verse that says, it's more blessed to serve than to be served. And the reason is, there are a lot of people in the world that want to be served, right? But there are not that many who are willing to serve others. And when you start to serve people, that's how you can make an impact in their life and touch their heart. Maxwell also talks about before touching people's hand, touch their heart, right? So the important point is we try to understand what is true to their heart and then provide their need. Fourth, he talks about building relationships. So he discusses the significance of building strong relationships, which means you're approachable, you show genuine interest in others and invest time in nurturing connections. And kind of crucial, which is a crucial step of building influence as well, which leads to the next point, which is developing others. So when we help others grow and reach their potential, that's a hallmark of influence individuals, right? So mentoring, coaching, and providing guidance contribute to your reputation as someone who adds value to others. The sixth point is navigating difficult situations. So Maxwell talks about handling disagreements and conflicts with grace. So your ability to navigate challenges in life with professionalism, right, can increase your influence as people tend to respect those who handle tough situations well, right? That means that you're in the right mindset, you behave right and you act right and you have the right attitude first and foremost. Seven is character matters. This point is also one of my favorite ones as well which the book emphasizes that your character is central to your influence. And I would go one step further. Your character is essential for people to trust you. So unless people see that you have the right character, they cannot trust you. Which means when you consistently demonstrate strong character traits, such as humility, right? Going back to honesty, responsibility, you're able to build credibility and influence as well. Uh, the eighth point is the continuous learning. So Maxwell stresses that the importance of continuous learning and self-improvement, which means you expand your knowledge and skills, which allows you to provide valuable insight and guidance to others. So this point keeps coming up in his book. And of course, this is so true that in order for, for people to follow a leader or become influenced by him or her, they need to see that that leader provides a value to their life, right? So when you are continuous learning things for yourself, then you're able to provide that value. Nine things, a positive attitude. And a positive attitude is contagious and of course attracts people. So he encourages maintaining a positive outlook, even in challenging circumstances, which can inspire and motivate those around you. And then... Tenth is about taking initiative. So it means you are proactive and you take the steps in various situations which demonstrates leadership. And individuals, people are not passive, but they actively contribute and take responsibility. I love this point. Because first of all, taking responsibility is key. But second of all, they're not passive, right? You can either let 
things happen to you or you can be the creator of them. So if you want to influence and be the leader, you'd certainly need to be that person who's not passively accepting things, but he's initiating things. So this book, the Becoming a Person of Influence by John C. Maxwell, provides such actionable advice and you know, real-world examples to help individuals cultivate their influence and positively impact those around them. And in order to apply these principles, I just want to go over each one of them and share some good insights and how you can start applying that to your daily life. So going back to the first four, integrity, is first of all, you need to make that commitment to act in alignment with your values in all situations, no matter what, right? That means you're being honest and transparent in your interactions, both professionally and personally. And then you also admit mistakes and take responsibility when you make errors. Something I highly recommend you to do is, this is something I've done and I review this regularly for myself, is to write yourself rules for life, right? So I have 10 rules to live by. I'm not going to read all of them, but to just mention a couple of those. For example, my first rule is I respect myself and in result others. I strive daily to become a person who serves. That's another great thing to say. Another point is I'm firm with my values and boundaries. Another uh, key rule to live by is I am to be a man of integrity every day, meaning my intentions, words, and actions will be in the same accordance. So you have those lists for yourself and write down, okay, what do I want to make sure I adopt? But not only that, but I also say true to them. The second point is understanding people. So you begin by practicing active listening during conversation, which shows to the other person that you have a genuine interest in what they are saying, basically, right? And I guarantee you, when you start listening to people rather than talking and let them do the most talking, not only they feel heard, but you only you also learn a lot of things yourself regarding people, their nature, etc. So it's better to listen than talk, I would recommend. Another key point is understanding people is asking them open-ended questions, right? To learn more about their perspective, experiences, and needs. And lastly, you want to empathize with their emotions and experiences to build rapport and relationship. Third is serving others. So you seek opportunities to help and support others without expecting anything to return. You are for, for your assistance, skills, or knowledge to colleges, friends, and family members. And then you also look at the ways that you can contribute to your community through maybe volunteer work or act of kindness. To make this point more clear, I think something we need to have in mind is that service is not an act, but an attitude, which means it's not a one-time thing. It's not like you do one day, you go to do something, you volunteer, etc. That's great if you do. But you need to make that a habit, right? Which means it's something you practice every day and becomes your lifestyle. Fourth is building relationship, which means you cultivate genuine connections by investing time in building and maintaining relationship. One way is to attend networking events. You engage in social activities and connect with people to a personal level. And of course, you show appreciation 
and acknowledge others' contribution to their strength and your bonds. Fifth is developing others, which means you can offer guidance, mentorship, or coaching to individuals who seek to grow professionally or personally. You can share your knowledge and experiences to help others avoid pitfalls and achieve their goals. You can encourage others to step out of their comfort zones and pursue self-improvement. Something I do personally, which makes this podcast special to me as well, is I'm trying to develop others, right, through each episode and through raising that question at the beginning and trying to do the the book review, talk to the special guests, and of course, my students. I try to learn and develop people through what I teach. So this is such an important thing, and we all can do that. And one of the best ways is by continuous learning, which will lead me to the next point, right? Which means you invest time in reading books, you attend seminars, you take courses to expand your knowledge, you stay informed about industrial trends, current events, and relevant topics. You share your knowledge with others to contribute to their growth, right? The next point is navigating difficult situation, which means you approach conflict with a calm and respectful demeanor. You focus on finding solutions. Uh, you practice active listening to understand others' viewpoints during disagreement. And if you make a mistake, you apologize. As simple as that. The next point is character matters. So for that, you need to continuously reflect on your actions and decisions to ensure they align with your values and with your words. You want to model ethical behavior and make principled choices, even when they're challenging. And the best way to do that, I always say, is to think in future. When you want to make a decision, always think, okay, if I make this decision now, right? how that's going to affect me in five to 10 years. And when you do that, it really helps you to make a good choice in your life. And of course, the last point is to you lead by example in demonstrating integrity and moral values, right? That's character. That's a person of character. The next point is having a positive attitude, which means you focus on potential solutions rather than limitations. That's one of the best ways that you can develop a positive attitude. Then you also encourage and uplift others with your optimism and enthusiasm. And another great way to practice attitude, positive attitude is to be able to practice gratitude, right? And express appreciation for the positive aspects of your life and people in your life, right? Tell them, hey, I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate, you know, you did that for me. You acknowledge them and that way you can be such a great influence in their life. And last point, taking initiative, which means you look for opportunities to contribute and take on leadership roles. Another point is you identify areas where you can make a difference and proactively offer your assistance. And lastly, you actively participate in project, discussion, initiatives that align with your values. So what I want to mention is, going back to what I said at the beginning, Leadership is influence, and influence is the most important thing in the entire world. That is why many times wars start, right? To get an influence. And that's many times why people tend to fight or tell who's better. But if we understand that we all can have positive influence in the world, and that's what our mission is, right? Each of us can have that. We'll have such a better world in peace. And then we are able to influence each other in a positive way which was 
how we were created to be by our creator. Hi, Nicholas. Welcome to the show. Hi, Parsa. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. So, Nicholas, can you please give us a little background about yourself and also choose one value that is important to you? Um, my name is Nicolas, Nicolas Villarreal. I'm originally from Argentina. I live in San Francisco and I spend my time between San Francisco and Los Angeles. I'm an animation and film director, uh, fine artist and animator as well. Um, and something that's very important to me, several things, right? But um, I would say uh, kindness and also consistency and discipline. Mm, those are great values. So uh, today's topic, Nicholas, we are talking about worldwide influence. And I think, of course, when I think about you and your work is about animation and, you know, being a director. And I believe animation is such a powerful medium that can reach audiences worldwide. So I'm curious to hear more about your Guinness Breaking Record short movie on and off. So you can tell us a little bit about that and also what, how, how that made it so influential in, in the world. Um, you know, that's an excellent question. I don't know if I have the answer to why it has become so influential. Um, what I can tell you was my, my goal. I think when you, when you make a film, uh, an, an art um, you have to be determined to to change the world with your with your vision um, are you going to make it highly unlikely I think but your goal needs to be that I always thought that it's it's always much better to aim high and not making it that aim low and achieving it so but once you have that 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 state of mind uh, it forces you to do your best that's what something that I one of the values as well that I I carry over and I teach I teach as well teaching I, I direct and I love directing and painting uh, but I love teaching as well and I always communicate to my students that every if you if you do your best every time your best becomes your standard hmm. and now you change your perception and when your best becomes your standard a standard everything you over you're going over your best. I call it the, mm -hmm. the invisible door or the invisible uh, shift gear in a car. And I tell them, you can always access to this one if you do your best. If you do, if you do your best, this door will, will appear and you'll go um, a step further. Mm -hmm. um, the, the film with on-off, what I was trying to communicate is how how people that I admire from a bunch of people, you know, from like Da Vinci, Tesla, uh, Beethoven, Frida Kahlo, how they would interact with the technology mm. if they let them if they would let them uh, go go slower, or they will use them to maximize their creativity and and move forward. Will they get um, discouraged or distracted, or they wouldn't? Their art would be more important to that. And the style, it's a style that I've been developing for the last five, six years. I started with a small drawing of uh, Salvador Dali. Dali, another one of my favorite painters. I have a lot of favorite painters. <laughs> but 
And I was looking at this, I was doing a caricature just on my sketchbook, an ink drawing. And um, for some reason, his face looked like a rectangle with two just lines that create like semicircles that create the mustache mm. on the sides. And that what creates, it creates an icon. And I thought, let's see with, with how little shapes I can get away to create this uh, portrait. Mm. portrait which is kind of like cubist i would say it's and the colors i'm using is kind of like a pop cubism uh, because they're very bright and then from that led into another sketches i did a mural of frida Kahlo here in san francisco led to another mural of spoke in san francisco another mural of messi in hawaii and and i had this idea about of people i've seen in in subways and my and my class of how we react to uh, social media and how to react with our phones in general. And I remember I was in the subway here in San Francisco, and I saw it was a some guy and, and and some girl, right? And they were on their phones. And one one guy was um, this this kid. I mean, it was a the teenager was playing some some game, and the girl was reading a book. And my instant thought which was prejudiced and I didn't like, <laughs> was like, this guy just playing some games and good for the girl that it's reading something, right? But then I thought, what if this guy studied 12 hours today and in this ride has 15 minutes to unplug? Mm. And what if this girl didn't do anything today and she's reading for 15 minutes only in the ride? So think how we can start changing the perception of someone. Mm. And then that was an idea that I had on the side. And you know when you when you make it happens to me to me um when i make a film is identifying everyone has a lot of ideas i have a lot of ideas all the time yeah i would say 90 percent are terrible if not more <laughs> just like and the key to me is identifying two or three ideas that they're independent but if i can combine them they can uh, um be much stronger together. Yeah. They can they can grow exponentially. They're like it's like they multiply. Yeah. Um, some of them work, some of them don't. And um, in 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 the case of on off was this idea that I had on the side for I, I saw these people in the subway. Then I was in my class. I usually tell my when I teach character design, we have um a model and the model, the model uh, the poses are five minutes long, and then every 20 minutes, they pause for five minutes, and they start again. And in these five minutes, I tell my students, don't go to your phone. Just keep drawing. Because those five minutes, at the end of the day, if you if you draw for five hours, those five minutes, they add up to 20 minutes, half an hour, mm. if not more. In 15 weeks, that half an hour, it equates to another almost like another class. Instead of 15 weeks, we'll have 16 weeks of drawing, if not more. You know, some of them get it, other other, other ones, they just go straight over their head. But I remember I was, usually I go around and I tell them, you know, I look at the drawings and I help them. And there was this particular girl that she was on her phone. And thank God I didn't say anything because I was getting close to her. Mm. And I looked over and she was looking in her phone to drawings of Glenn Keane. Mm. Kin is one of my favorite animators. He was the animator of, of 
um, uh, The Little Mermaid. He was the animator of Aladdin. He was the animator of Tarzan. He was mm -hmm. the animator of John Silver. I mean, incredible talent. And she was trying to mimic and copy the exact line quality of him. And he was, she was learning from the phone. So I think, thank God I didn't say anything. And next to her, she was a, was a kid that was playing with video games. And I saw a huge difference. But I saw, you know, when you have like um, uh, just a little act, in some cases, can show you a path that you imagine because of how they behave. Mm -hmm. Because they, they are going at it. And I remember, I was thinking, I want, I want to do something with this. And I started thinking about how I could combine people that I admire in general, that they are resilient, that they they have consistency, they have the, the talent, but they don't rely on the talent, but in the passion to follow it. And they're, they have this almost, um, this moral duty to follow what they love and to seek excellence in their work. And to me, it's a gigantic inspiration that, because they are doing something that they, it's bigger than them, mm. that they can't not do. It's a duty, they have to do it. Yeah. So I have all these ideas and I started writing something. I did, I have a couple of sketches and then I thought, I always want to do like a, like a film that is very abstract. It has most of my films, they don't have any words, which I love um, because they can be shown to anyone, any part of the world. And they will, well, they will understand them. Hmm. Um, only one has a few words, but I like when, when in films, when there's only a little talking and the rest is just shown and not so much exposition. And I started doing some sketches and then I did the animatic and someone started animating it. And the, the funny thing with this film went on off that I thought that the, I thought that the idea was going to be that I thought people would love it or they would hate it. Mm. And I hesitated in making it. Mm. I had a moment saying, I'm not sure if it's still going to work. I'm not sure if I can make it work. And I won't paint saying, you know what? I, I'm going to do it. I need, I'm going to do my best and whatever it falls, I'll be okay with it. Uh, which is something very important as well uh, to me, right? Mm. And I was, when my first film, The Pasteurized, I remember I was, if you wouldn't get in the film festival, I would get not frustrated, but you know, I wanted to get in the film festival. And then I realized that if the film gets in the film festival and it wins, that's great. Um, if it doesn't, that's not great. It sucks to me. I don't like it. But it doesn't affect my life. It doesn't affect what I do. Mm -hmm. so if if something external doesn't affect what I do. Why I'm going to be binded to it? So and give me this piece. It's like you do your best, right? Step by step, day by day, line by line. And if it gets in the film festival, win amazing. If it doesn't, well, it's terrible. But you keep going. So that gives you that that piece that you're you find the balance. That you, to me, it, it, it makes you. Um, it gives you the, uh, to me. It gives you it gives me this inner peace. But I can only achieve it if I do my best. That I know, and this happened. I remember 
you know, when you start connecting a bunch of things that happened when you were a kid, when you were studying in high school, in the university, um, I had this class. It was called Sacred Geometry mm. at the university. It was one of my first classes at the school. I was just coming from Argentina, year 2000, the summer of year 2000, I think, 2001. I mean, regardless, it's unimportant. And I did I did well in the class. And I, I did a painting, and the, the instructor gave me a B, which I was fine with. So I go to him, I tell you know what? It's like, can I ask you a question? It's like, what else can I do to for the next class to get an A? And he told me, I'll give you an A right now. I mean, you were very close to an A, but I'll give you an A right now if you want it. And, and you know when you feel like, well, I, I want it, but now I don't feel like I deserve it. It's like, it's like I don't want it like that. It's like, so, well, I want to do something. And he told me, okay, let's do this. Um, for the next couple of weeks, for the summer, come to my class after after my class for five minutes, work on a painting, and you will show it to me. And after the semester is over, I'll change your grade. It's okay. So he gave me a task. Mm. And I remember it was very, um, Mark Reynolds was his name. Uh, it was very beneficial but enlightening almost because i did a painting and i we, we had this great talk little talks here and there and at the end they told me you know mark i have this problem it's like i want to finish the painting he gave me an a i told you i have these problems what is it? well i finished this painting and when i finish it i like it it's okay and then two weeks later the painting i hate it he said well you hate it well because it's it doesn't work i mean i could do much better and he told me something that resonated until today. This one, another instructor in, in Argentina, is like, when you were doing that painting, did you do, did you do your best? I was like, yeah. You you could have done it better at the moment if you set yourself in the past and said, no, then that's it. Hmm. You won. Because I will give you peace. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And that gave me, gave me this incredible peace. He's like, he, he told me, you can't change that. And the only way, that's my new feelings about that, by the way. The only way you can feel um, in peace with your present is if you have done your best in the past. But the, And I have this, my new feelings about past and present. Mm. But if, and I'll give you, um, I'll tell you, I'm going to go on a little tangent. Yeah. Um, my new film is, it's about uh, this theory about Einstein and Aristotle. Mm. It's a bunch of other things, but it's, about time, that Einstein said that um, time was an illusion. I'm paraphrasing it, and it's very reductive. But what I like was the one about Aristotle that said um, about time, past, present, and future. Past doesn't exist. Hmm. It existed, but it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Future doesn't exist. It will exist, but doesn't exist anymore. And present is a very thin line between two things that they don't exist and it's constant, constantly burning. Mm. So this conversation we're having right now is if I tell you the word, the word rose, right? Yeah. I just said it, it was this moment, but it, it's in the past already. And if I tell you, I will tell you in the future, the word rose, it's coming and it already passed. So when he told me this, he told me, if you do your best in your past, you will give you peace. And also, if you do your best in your present, you will. You, you said your, to me, your your present is almost your past constantly. 
Mm. You're constantly living in 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 a, in a state of past, present, and future. So in this new film, it's 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 about a Formula One race driver from Argentina. It's based on on one of his races and how he's to the point to become a champion and he burns his leg. This is actually based on two events. And in the film, he hesitated a little bit because he has to burn his leg. And in the interview, they ask him, so what happened? Well, I realized that in order to win the race, because I had to accelerate and push the gas all the way down, um, well, I it was inevitable for me to burn my leg. And the reporter asked him, so what happened? And he leaves his leg, his like his his pants, and he has a gigantic scar. So well, I won the race. Sure. And in this in this moment, when he's he has this moment of hesitation, he remembers him as a kid. Because everything is like past time, uh, like the fourth dimension, right? We see in a, in a line in yeah. this film, it's like a it's like he sees from it's like he's in the moment, all the all the moments. And he has this this kind of like conversation with himself as a kid that the kid goes, well, you're going to be champion of the world. We are going to be champions of the world and you don't want to burn your leg? He's <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Right. He's like, I'm going to be champion of the world? Just burn your leg. <laughs> That's it. And he remembers where he was coming from. Because it happens sometimes, and this is this happened to me when I I came from Argentina when I was 21, 22 years old. I stay here, you know, you leave your, your probably your experiences. I'm not sure if you came, you were born here or you came from, from Iran, but you leave your family, you leave your friends, you leave your language, you leave your culture, you leave the air is different. Everything's different. Yeah. And you seek a goal. My goal was to work for Disney. So I remember it took me four years and I got here to the United States. Um, the second time I go to Argentina, I come back. And for four months, I was drawn from 9 a.m. to 12 at night every day, nonstop, with a friend. For four months, we would stop for, you know, half an hour lunch, half an hour dinner, coffee. And when we would stop, we would stop looking at videos of, of directing, compositions, painting. I mean, it was, a, it was an obsession with, with drawing, painting, everything. Mm -hmm. And I remember... We sent both our portfolio. He sent it. He, he sent it to Crystal Dynamics. Like he wanted to work there, and subsequently he achieved it. And I wanted to work for Disney. So we both start working. They call me. I do an interview. I pass the interview. I do a test. I pass the test. Start working for them. I go to the studio. They give me my little office. You know everything's fine. I was sleeping probably four or five hours a day. I was going to the gym. I was going out. I was playing soccer at the school. Uh, but the rest of the time, I was. I didn't want to neglect anything. I, I loved everything. I loved what I was doing. Um, <clears throat> so I got to listen. They gave me a, another task. I signed my contract and still like nothing. Everything was like, you know, like normal. Like, you know, when you're when you're um, doing a lot of work that they throw you things and you just do them, you don't realize what you're doing. You're just like doing by instinct. Mm -hmm. And I, I was moving on, on instinct and, and inertia almost. But I was doing my best. And I remember one point I look at the board, there was a board, and usually in studios, um they they or they used to put a board with the tasks of the designers, what they had to do. I was working as a character designer. 
And I remember there were three character designers in this movie and my name was on the board and there was something tangible. Mm. You know, when you see yourself from outside, yeah, you're not in the movie anymore. You're looking at, at the audience. And I looked, it was probably 12. And I was coming from lunch and I just had a little salad because I wanted to, um, I didn't want to be tired. And I remember I looked at my name and Parsa, you know, when you are in that, that moment when you're so tired that you can't fight it, that you fall asleep. Yeah. It's an amazing feeling that, that you can, you just succumb to the feeling. And I remember I I was falling asleep. So I went to the restroom. I looked at myself in the mirror. I, I tried to put some water, but I was thinking, well, maybe I can take a nap in this, you know, one of the stalls. I can close the door. It's like I go on my desk. And I still remember when I was a kid. I still remember when I when I left my country, when I left uh, my my parents, my grandparents, when I, where I where I wanted to work as a kid, and I had this little conversation with myself in that moment, and myself. That's what I, I'm putting this in the film. And myself was like, "Are you kidding me? Is that from all the places, from all the times, from all your ages, from all the days in the history of of your world, you can't fall asleep right now." Mm -hmm. moment and I remember that gave me like I'm not sure you know when I start feeling this heat inside of me it's like I can't fall asleep here it's like this is for nothing and I still remember everything all the effort that led up into that position and I remember I just like slapped my face a couple of times water I took two shots of espresso and then I went back to work and it was that little moment that but it was it was it was a moment in time that you you feel I felt that I wanted to just, one part of me is like, come on, go to sleep. It's like, and it, that little voice, I had to, I had to shut it down every single time I'm doing something. I don't know if all of us, we have that little voice that tells you, yeah, don't do this, just wait until tomorrow. Mm. Don't do it now. And, and I remember I, this new film is a bunch of, um, a, a bunch of ideas and experiences that I, I've seen inspiration and, and part of me that I want to, um, that I want to show and I want to, the audience to to feel about this this almost like dream-esque uh, state. Because at one point it will go between past, present, and future. Yeah. And the, the the protagonist, every time he makes a decision that it's harder for him, change to the past or the future. Because I was in the, the whole the whole idea of the film of what I told is like imagine if if uh, people with great visions, right? And the strength and consistency and discipline to, to uh, make them come to fruition. They imagine if they look like Steve Jobs, you look at Michael Jordan, Messi, Maradona, Aymar, uh, Nadal, um, you look at, I don't know, Jeff Bezos, people that they they have a vision, they follow it. Mm. Because they know, they, they know it. There are no guarantees, but they know they're going to make it. Um, what if these visions of the future our memories from the past mm. but we can't we can't equate them because we don't we're not we don't know that this life in this in this film the life is a cycle yeah so and and everyone that has the strength and the courage to break that part when they want to give up but they don't they keep improving from the next cycles mm. so that's a whole that's a whole film about i went on a gigantic tangent that i'm not sure if it I, we started with one question, 
What's the question? The question was about Onaf, right? No, okay. <laughs> I was asking, yeah, how do you think your short movie made it very influential? And I think what you're saying, Nicholas, what comes to my mind, I don't know if you know about Shams Tabrizi. He was the mentor of Rumi, you know, the poet person. He's yeah. a very well-known poet. And when he talks about time, I think I can relate so much with what you're saying. He says, you know, the past is the interpretation and the future is an illusion. And the world doesn't really move through time as if it were a straight time, a straight line, right? But it proceeds from past to the future. But instead, it is something that moves through us and within us. So I always think about that because, you know, I think time is, as you said, it's a very experiential experience, right? So like imagine one minute for you that you you are sitting by the beach, let's say, and you're enjoying your life can be very different from someone who, let's say one minute is in jail, right? Because the time goes differently, even though it's the same moment and it's now. That's the theory of relativity. Almost. <clears throat> Everything is relative. Exactly. It's a, rela- a rela- relativity experience, which uh, we all go through. So um, I think time is a very strange thing. And before we know it, right, uh, as you said, and now becomes the past. And, you know, when we look at it from a psychological perspective, um, it's interesting how you look at people and many times, of course, we bring our past into our presence, right? Our experiences, if we had traumas, anything that we've gone through, they usually stay with us and they don't go away unless we deal with them consciously, right? And this is something, of course, you know, I think most therapists and psychologists try to achieve with their clients is to make them be present and kind of deal with those, you know, thoughts or limiting beliefs that they have. And so, understand why why we do the things that we do. Exactly, exactly. So it comes from that. You know what? Another interesting point you mentioned, Nicholas, and I want to kind of emphasize on that more and ask you a question. I think you mentioned something about when you were making this on and off short movie. There was, of course, that fear, and I can relate to that. That okay, how people are gonna take it? Is it gonna win any award? And I think at some point, as you mentioned. You just tell yourself, I'm going to do it anyways, because I do believe art is such a creative, unique experience that you express yourself to the world. And of course, for some artists, there is this thought or danger that, okay, if they don't like it, it's as if you get rejected personally, right? Because it's your own expression. That's Uh, right. But you need to, I think you need to leave away from that. Yeah, exactly. If you do your best, that will give you peace. And and that's again with comes doubt is a strange thing because I was as I was saying today if if you if what happens I was talking with my students I told them you like soccer I love soccer do you play soccer with your friends every week of course so let me ask you a question if you go on Sunday right and you play a game and you lose are you going to stop playing soccer it's like no if you go on Sunday and you win are you going to stop playing soccer no so if if the the events that they're beyond your control doesn't affect your line of your path, line of path. Uh, why would you be concerned about it? If you do your best, if you concentrate in doing that, then if it happens, great. If it doesn't, well, sucks. But then you keep you keep going, one step by one step. Yeah, yeah. And I think what you also mentioned, it's interesting how you tell your students about doing their best. That's what I always tell my students, you know. And 
I think what I also tell them is your best is different from another person's best, right? So you have to keep with your own. Right. And I think the, the question I have, Nicholas, for you is, of course, those recognitions, the awards, et cetera, when you do something, it, it can be rewarding, right? It's as if you get rewarded for your effort. And I think I, I see it as well. I yeah. see it as a, as a reward of, of uh, many years of, of hard work. Exactly. And I think as human beings, at the end of, of course, we look to be rewarded because it's a, it's a form of validation, right? And it's a natural tendency of being a human. I think the thing I want to ask you, uh, Nicholas, and I like how you mentioned how much you work from, you know, 9 a.m. to, I I believe you said 12 p.m. when you were. No, yeah, not, not anymore. I, just, I mean, I, I work hard. Yeah. I love what I do, but I had to stop because at one point, um, and this is when, when you, when you love what you do, there's a very thin line between, between um, your job and your passion. Yeah. It's very, very thin. So at that point, I had a goal in mind, which was working for Disney. Um, but then I, I kept working from nine until 12, I think probably all my 20s. And until my late 30s, I worked since 9 a.m., drawing or painting or looking at movies until 12 at night. Mm-hmm. Then when you start when you start directing or you start getting other responsibilities you have to delegate because you can't yeah so now when, when i work in productions um i don't design anymore i direct sometimes i design something because i love to draw but i have everyone we all have tasks and we work as a team so i can neglect part of the directing because i love to draw it's, it's the same with other with other with other, uh, with other teammates right yeah yeah, and I think the point I was trying to make, I'm sure during that time, you faced a lot of setbacks, right? In achieving your goal or, you know, before. Yeah, yeah. so what do you think, Nicholas, keeps people going forward, even though they might not see the reward, right? Like they, they're not getting that reward, but someone like you try to keep working, 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 and, you know, eventually, I mean, you got there. Because I think, and I, I discuss this with my students, and I try to remove it immediately. When you do a join and you make a mistake, um, if you stop at that mistake and you don't join anymore, you can say, well, I failed at join because I don't have to draw. Now, if you keep drawing, failure becomes, for me, a, a crucial part of success because it's part that leads into that success because you're learning. It's not failure if, you, if it's an experience. Mm-hmm. And I believe a lot of people just, they stop because they 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 get discouraged. They don't want to keep going. And I had this conversation with with one of my students the other day. Um, I told him that I wanted to make I wanted to make movies, right? And he told me, "Well, what what if you, what if this movie that you want to make now you never get to make it?" I said, "That's fine. I'm gonna die trying." And guess what? If I die trying, I'll be fine. Hmm. Because people can say, "Oh, you know what? He never made it." Um, but when you're alive, if you stop and say, well, and you, you are need the validation of people saying, no, he never, he never made it. Uh, you're leaving it. But if you keep going yeah. and when you remove that, I think that gives you peace too, because it becomes, it's like you're having the will. There's a poem that I love that I give to my students. 
called um, You're the Result of Yourself mm. by Pablo Neruda. He was a Chilean poet, a Nobel Prize a literature in 1871. And it's the poem is beautiful. And it's it's one of those things that it's timeless. It transcends everything. Uh, because it talks about this in, in, in different words and of course in, in, in uh, much more articulate than what I'm trying to say right now <laughs> because he was exceptional at what he did. Um, and I give it to my students and I have it in my office and I have it in my in my dressing room and my in my house. And from time to time I read it. It's like something that that I keep staring at it. And every time I feel like, you know, like a little discouraged or I don't want to work, I just give it a quick glance. And it sends me back to whatever I was trying to achieve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what you're saying about the failure being part of success, what comes to my mind, I think many times, Nicholas, what creates the problem is not the event or experience itself, but ma- the message we tell about it to ourselves, right? So there is always difference between failing at something or feeling you are a failure where failing at something is like an experience. But when you say I'm a failure, it turns to your identity, which of course it becomes very hurtful because you start to see the world through that lens that, okay, I'm a failure. But if you just see it, as you said, as an experience that I can even lead to success, which I 100% agree with that, it, you you are even become curious about, you know, about your failures or, you know, you see it, you see them in a positive light but I think it's very important to the degree you see them and what perspective you have toward them, right? Is it more like an experience, one-time thing, or even a couple of times that happen and that's it? Or is it something that I turn it into my identity and now I see the world through that lens? That's what you just said, like if, if 20 seconds ago, it's part of stoicism, is that you're... you're affected by not by the what happens but your view of mm. what it happens it's how you 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 take it which is something not easy to do but yeah. um, i think if you're determined to do something there's a there's a there's another book called a man in search of a meaning mm. by victor frankel yeah and and it's he he, he gave this example that you know when someone uh, gives you something and it resonates that in the, the concentration camp, there was this, this man that he had a dream that they were going to be released. I don't remember, for instance, I don't know, uh, let's say it's now, and he said, well, February 17th, we're going to be released. I dreamed him. And the guy kept going. Mm-hmm. He had a call, kept going. Snow, he was doing, they were doing atrocious things to them, and he didn't care. He was like, shave it off. February 17th came and didn't happen. And the next day he died. Mm. And I remember when I said, you know, when something that you were so strong, what he was telling of how when you you have it, having a purpose is very important because when you have a goal, everything like you start moving things to the side. There's a, another book that I love called The Last Lecture by Randy Pouch. Mm. It's a professor at Carnegie Mellon. And in this, it's probably the hardest book that I've read in my life. It's not a long book. I read it in a plane ride from New York, San Francisco, all at once. And in this particular university, they they give the, <clears throat> the professors, the last lecture is when they retire, 
they let them do a last lecture and they can talk about whatever they want. Mm -hmm. They can talk, in your case, they, you could talk about psychology or you could talk about soccer, flowers, stamps, or different types of, I don't know, cars. It's entirely up to you. But in this case, he had pancreatic cancer. So his last lecture was his last lecture, mm. period. And he was saying that when you're facing um, obstacles, he was saying that the, the, he was equating obstacles to a brick wall. He was saying those walls are not there for you to not pass. They're there to test other people who will want it or not. They're there to leave them outside, not you. If you really want it, and he said, you can, you're going to uh, jump it gracefully. You're going to climb it. You're going to try to go around it. You're going to dig a hole. You're going to go through it. It doesn't matter. You're going to, you're going to pass it because yeah. it's something you want more with on the other side. Exactly. That's right. That's a, such a good example. I think, Nicole, it's a question that kind of I'm thinking as you're talking about this. Let's say there is, um, you know, either someone who's in animation or director or even different walks of life. What would you suggest that to them that 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 would they would you know create something that can have a lasting impression on people or influence them positively uh, in other people's life? If if they want to create that, or if they already created that, yeah, if they want to create some sort of art or a, a project or a work that is, I think if if anyone wants to create something, to me, if they create something. Uh, that they do their best, that it's meaningful, that they put their heart and it resonates with me. To me, that's that's art, and I admire them. I admire them to making it. But they shouldn't. They shouldn't think of the fact that uh, they shouldn't be bound to if people will like it or not. They need to do their best. I mean, put their heart in it, and whatever it falls, it falls. Yeah. And you keep going. And keep going you can always make another drawing you can always make another film yeah and what i like about what you said earlier is when you do your best you know you already have that so you're just improving on your best right, right. Later on. You're, you're already there so it and whatever right. you go over becomes your uh becomes you're going over your best to me it's like do you have your you drive a and I mean, you're much younger than i am so maybe you never drove a stick shift I have in the past, yeah. In the past, you know, in the stick shift, when you you go you go first, and in automatic cars, you can you can if you put in sports mode, that's what I have to tell my students. If you put in sports mode, mm. you go from first, it goes and takes the revolutions RPM all the way up, so it goes and the and the car changes when you feel that it can't go anymore. I think if you, the, the invisible gear, what I tell my students, imagine if you're in a car and the car has five uh, shift and you take the fifth shift and you take all the weight that the car is asking for more mm -hmm. and you will access the sixth one, which is you're doing your best over your best, but you can access that, that shift unless you push the car all the way to the, to the end, which is that's another analogy that I'm putting in my, my film mm -hmm. um, in the film, in this film that I was, um, that I'm, I was, telling you about the driver gets burned and the harder he gets burned the faster he goes and doubles down just an analogy kind of like you know when when things don't are not working you can either give up or just take it or double down mm. 
is that you, you burn me high more, I'm gonna go faster. Burn more, I'm gonna go faster. And I, I, this is one of my favorite parts of the film that we have, we're working on it, but we haven't done yet. Is that in the film, there's a point that the car is about to explode mm. because he, he keeps doubling down and he keeps pressing harder. I'm not gonna reveal the ending. I mean, the film is gonna be out in a year and a half or a year. I was gonna ask when that come out. So it's actually- that- right. We're working on it right now. And uh, we started full production a couple of months ago. And animation takes a long time. Yeah. It will be done probably in, hopefully by this time next year, it will be finished. Mm-hmm. But maybe by the end of the, the spring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you were mentioning how you can either double down and move forward or just give up and you move backward. That's right. I, you, you know, do you know um, this is going to sound funny, but um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, The Rock, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I was watching one of his videos and I felt identified, not body-wise, of course, but, <laughs> but he was saying that that every time when he goes to the gym, and I think we all go through this because when he said this, I remember myself being at Disney in that bathroom. He's like, um, he's at the gym working out. At one point, he thinks, what am I doing here? Mm. Like, what? I'm, I'm lifting weights. I could be playing with my, my daughters. I could be eating a pizza. I could be walking with my wife. I could be watching a movie. I could be doing anything else. Why am I lifting weights? And he says, he reaches that point every day. And that's that little guy tells you, come on, man. Just what are you doing here? Mm. And I hit that point every day too. Mm. When I go to work out, when I'm working on something, and but you have to pass it. Yeah. And it's always that road that it has two rows. And if you don't if, if you pass it, it goes away instantly. Yeah. But it's you know what's what's funny when when I face that, which I face oftentimes, I know that I'm gonna pass it, but that moment it makes me hesitate. I think it's because you're exhausted. And you want maybe you're just like you had it, but if you pass that point of 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 I'm not sure if no return or however you want to call it, then it, it goes away completely. You don't want to leave. It's like you're back in the you're back in the game. Yeah, and you know something that comes to my mind, Nicholas, and I know you mentioned about soccer, and I love soccer, and I train to become a professional soccer player. It's a whole another story, but I remember I had this coach who always would tell me because he would train me every day individually. And he said, you either always go forward or you go backward. You can't just stand still, right? And I think this is so true when I look at anything in my life now, even. Yeah, so it's, there's no staying, you know, in place. You always go forward or backward and that applies to everything in your life. It can be your body, your, you know, your relationships, your work, et cetera. Yeah, so you need to kind of constantly have that mindset that, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to move forward. And I think what we've been discussing too, having that vision, but also that burning desire, right? That when you look at all people who created something powerful and meaningful, they always had that burning desire that made them, as you mentioned, Nicholas, work for so many hours and you don't even recognize when you truly love something, you can't even call it a work. I think it just becomes so natural to you that you want to do it and you get even energized by doing it. I'm sure you can kind of relate. Right. To, it's, it's, uh, to me, it's addictive. Yeah. Uh, making 
um, I love making films and to me making films addictive but art is addictive to me as well like paintings addictive making films addictive and um, we were talking about past and present right I, I believe that we I believe that I, I am not living in the present I'm constantly living in the past mm. all the decisions that I'm making they will be my past and they will catch up with me to the present that at, at one point will be or 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 the future and i that's why in in this film I, i'm putting a lot of analogies but um and i I'm sorry i keep talking about this film because it's so pertinent to the conversation that we're having well that's okay yeah please but how many times you you hear people saying uh, you know if i would back, go back in time i could change this to sure. change my present and that but no one says this i can change my future by changing my present today sure. <laughs> so you have it's the same yeah. it's a, you're 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 already past the point, but you don't you didn't pass the point. You're living in the point. If you want to change your future, that will become your present, and you're in the present right now. That's why time is so uh, interesting or conf confusing to me because it, to me it's, it's to me it's the, it's the whole thing. Yeah, it's like it's it's this nebula that it's I, there are decisions like for instance that I'm sure you can resonate to this. There are decisions that I took in my life that myself at the time, that age, didn't take them. When I was when I was at that bathroom at, at Disney, I didn't decide. I was 26 years old. I didn't decide to go back. I didn't. My myself of 13 years old told me to go. Mm -hmm. He made the decision. Or are decisions that when I when I made on off or when I made any of my films that I said, well, I need to invest time, money. Sometimes I make them myself, but sometimes it's myself from the future. And this is going to sound crazy, but myself from the future, which is, I don't know, six years old, looking at me right now, it's like, really, you don't want to make it film? In five years, you want to have a film, and you, you why well, you don't want to make it? Mm. Um, so that's why you have, and you know, when you, you, I do this oftentimes too, that I go to some place where I'm on vacation, and I capture a moment, and I think I'm here right now. But I will be in my house in two weeks, this moment. And then I forget it. But when I come to my house, I go to that place and I think I was just at the beach. And it's a, it's a moment like I was just there. Yeah. Yeah. And I like what you call about, you know, past, how it translates, right, to our now and the future, as you were saying, making decision. And even when we look at it from psychoanalysis perspective, uh, which is a form of therapy, we always say unless you solve the past, it just keeps happening in your future or in your now, right? It just keeps occurring in that. And, um, you know, even Carl Jung mentioned, unless you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it faith because it keeps occurring in your life. So I think it's so important, Nicholas, as you mentioned that you become very conscious of, of your choices that you're making because they'll translate eventually to the life you will be living. And I do believe what art does to people and of course to the artist himself is yeah. it takes away them from the time that we are talking, the past and future, and just focus them in the present, which you know many people call that eternal moment. So you feel so in line with everything in your life and that's what you know, excites people. I think that's why music can be so powerful. And when you look at an art and you're just becoming part of it, because for a while, for a moment, 
your mind is so focused in into that painting or into that music that no longer you are taken away by time you know and you that... in time yeah I, I was just in it's it's funny you mentioned that because i was just in in madrid and i went to reina sofia to see one of when i did enough one of my favorite painters is picasso mm. and the style that i'm doing it's cubist it's cubism yeah. um the garnica the backgrounds of on off the colors are black and white are inspired in that style you know in el garnica and i went to see it and i remember i was watching i spent probably half an hour looking at this painting yeah. and i got i tried to get as close as i could and i was looking at the brush strokes they have photos of him and i was imagining him being in that moment him painting that brush stroke and it made me travel in time mm. like what, what, what was he feeling he was like whistling he was thinking he was listening to something he was cleaning his brushes he was painting trying to trying to create um that masterpiece um and he made me feel like i was there when he was making it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah exactly so nicholas it's been such a nice conversation i've been enjoying it first of all mm -hmm. i want to thank you and for our last question we always ask every speaker that if you want to encourage our listeners to do an act of kindness what would that be for you and what would you suggest just you know be nice to everyone around you with however you can uh, i like i like opening doors for people yeah i, I enjoy that or That's doing any, any type i are the uh, act of kindness if someone needs i don't know like to uh cross the street there's a lady here that from time to time we cross path and she's blind and i help her to cross the street and we have conversations that are, i mean for me they're enlightening to me which is incredible um, and I remember last time I told her, you know, I thought I was helping you to cross the street, but you you helping with my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, we there's this saying that says it's more blessed than, than to give than to receive. And I do believe when we help others, in a way, we are helping ourselves and we feel so good about it, too. So it's like win-win situation. Yeah, it is. The person wins, so are we. And that's what makes it so beautiful. So Nicholas, thank you for being here and I wish you all the best in everything you do and we look forward to your short film. Yeah, thank you so much, Parsa, for the invitation. This has been wonderful. Of course. Anandita, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Excited to be here. How about you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, Anandita, can you please give a little bit background about yourself and also choose one value that is important to you? Yes, absolutely. So I'm Anandita. I just graduated from Pepperdine Graduate School, where I obtained my master's degree in clinical psychology. Um, I know you through teaching um, at Pepperdine, so you were my professor. And the value I will choose today is peace. Peace. Interesting. Uh, is that something very important in your life? I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. Especially during this time where I'm kind of taking time off, I'm finding everything to be very peaceful. And I feel like that's a very important value to hold. Certainly. So 
Uh, Anandita, today's topic, we're talking about worldwide influence. So what is your view on influence in general? And then we can talk about the bigger, the you know, the worldwide influence. But how do you see influence and how does that play in your life? So I would say that there are many things that influence me. So for me, I would say family, friends, um, the way I was brought up, um, the environment that I'm in and um, what I learn. So uh, that's what influences me. Mm. Yeah. When you say brought up, you mean the culture, like how that, that plays out in your life? Yes. So, um, mm. for example, I was um, born in the UAE and I'm originally from India. So culture is very important and plays a large role in the way I have been shaped and the things that I do today. So that is a factor that currently and will always influence me um, yeah and how do you find that different from U.S. culture or I'm sure there are a lot of difference because I come from another country too so I understand that but how does that look for you yeah when I moved to the U.S. it was a little bit of a culture shock mm. um, I did grow up going to international school so luckily I was surrounded by um, friends and peers from all over the world but there are def like different values in these countries that I've lived in. So it was a big adjustment, but, you know, I'm lucky to be here. And yeah, so mm -hmm. that's Yeah, so Anandita, you're in the mental health field. And of course, I think as clinicians, we are, we can have so much influence in our clients' life, overall in people's, because we deal with their emotions and feelings. And I think that's such an important and important task you know to do so how do you see yourself uh, influencing you know other people your clients and in that sense um I think that being in the mental health field we have the ability to make a big impact in different people's lives so whatever they bring to the table I think that through teaching and guiding them and providing them with tools I'll be able to leave a positive influence and impact in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that they bring a lot of issues that, you know, impact them, such as we were talking about culture and, you know, maybe politics or social justice issues. So um, again, providing them with the guidance and tools, I think can leave a big impact on them. Mm -hmm. And for you specifically, is there any, uh, unique way that you trying to influence their life in a positive way i just try and meet the clients where they're at and um, really listen to what they need and i use that approach and kind of look at the person as a whole mm -hmm. and then based on that i think i'll you know collaborate with them to figure out what steps we can take to best serve them and um, meet their needs right so and if i know you graduated and as we were talking before, you just receive your number, which you can start, you know, your post-graduation work. So how's that going for you? Are you excited? How do, how do you feel? I'm super excited. Um, I really think the time off that I took was very much needed mm -hmm. because I think self-care is so important. I think in our field, we really stress self-care, not only to our clients, but to ourselves. So that time off was very nice, but I feel ready to kind of jump back into the field and, you know, serve the community that I 
aspire to work with. And yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear. So for our last question, Anandita, this is what we always ask every guest and speaker. So if you can encourage others to do one act of kindness, what would that be? One act of kindness, um, something that I like to do when I notice that I'm in a good mood or um, just like in the community, like grocery shopping or things like that. I like to give somebody a genuine compliment, whether that be, you know, complimenting their hat or their shoes, something just to pass that positive energy towards the next person, because we never know what the other person is going through. And spreading the positivity that you're feeling, I think, is really important and can influence their day. Right. And it works, I think, in such a great way that it's like a butterfly effect we talk about. If you do one, they might do it to another person and it keeps going, you know. Exactly. Exactly. From one person to the other. Anandita, I just want to thank you for being here and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Professor. It was great speaking with you. Of course. Thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to be with you in the next episode. And meanwhile, if you want to stay connected, you can reach me via email at contact at parsapaycar.com.